0: On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, we take a look at the latest reporting surrounding Fred VanVleet and potential suitors in the offseason. Are the Houston Rockets to be feared as a potential overpay candidate? Plus, we chat with Derek Johnson of Locked On Jayhawks all about Grady Dick. What well, you got to know about him on and off the floor. We'll get to it on today's show. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, look, like, because when I shot it, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of mess, so. What's going on, and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Raptors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Tuesday, June the 27th. We are three days away from the start of free agency, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now. For nine seasons on various platforms you can find all my work over on twitter at woodley sean you can follow subscribe to rate and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps and on youtube for stitcher listeners out there it sounds like stitcher is coming to an end so move it over to a different podcast app of choice and leave a rating or a review there if you're one of the like two percent of people who listen on stitcher either way much appreciate all of you thanks as always to the everyday listeners of the podcast if you aren't everydayer let us know in the comments It's always nice to hear from you as well. And, of course, the Lockdown Raptors Discord is going strong. Almost 130 people in there hanging out, talking ball. It's great. It's friendly. It's a great time. Come hang out. Link is in the description. Jump on in, would ya? Okay, on today's show, I'm uh, feeling great. Just got back from playing pickup ball. I'm all sweaty. I'm hot. I feel like I'm very red on the, the screen. But either way... Here to talk about a little bit of Fred Van Vliet before we get into the uh, conversation I had with Derek Johnson of Locked On Jayhawks about Grady Dick and what he brings to the table. How does he work as an off-ball player? What are his upsides when it comes to other skill sets? How does he operate within poor spacing? He did very much that at Kansas. Could be very helpful for the Raptors if, you know, considering the success he had there. We get into all that, the defense, the off-court stuff coming up in segments two and three. Off the top, though... It feels prudent to dive into the uh, the latest rumor scuttlebutt. And, and look, I don't partake in a lot of the rumors. There are a few insiders who I really trust. Jake Fisher, the People's Insider. Mark Stein, usually on stuff pretty quick and early and, and seems to have a pretty good finger on the pulse of the league. If Zach Lowe's reporting stuff, if Brian Windhorse is reporting stuff, uh, you know, take it to heart. Also, you got to keep in mind, there are rumors and subterfuge and agendas at play with all these rumors and reports that come out. So all we can do is pass along the latest information and try to read, read between the lines. Let's get into it here. For This is from Mark Stein's latest newsletter. You should go pay for the whole thing. It's very good, very awesome at this time of year to have uh, like two dispatches a day, it seems, on trade and scuttlebutt and all that good stuff. So I uh, highly recommend you go check out Mark Stein's newsletter either way. To quote a very small passage from his piece from last night, focusing on the Houston Rockets and the $61 million of cap space they have burning a hole in their pocket, uh, he noted two potential players as key targets for the Houston Rockets when free agency kicks off this Friday at 6 p.m., which, of course, is the first time any of these agents will be speaking with teams. Uh, That's how it rolls. But let's get to it here. Uh, The quote from... Mark Stein, quote, more and more, the official start of free agency draws near on Friday at 6 p.m. league sources stay. They see Toronto's Fred Van Vliet and Memphis's Dylan Brooks as the top of a Rockets wish list that is widely thought to be headlined by former Rockets all-star James Harden. Amid a steady drumbeat of chatter over the past week or two that the Sixers have gained momentum in their quest to convince Harden at 33 to bypass the return to his adopted home of Houston and stick with the Sixers on a two- or three-year deal, there have been equally compelling signals that the Rockets will be strong contenders to sign both Van Vliet and Brooks. Um, look... The Rockets I've made a lot of fun of in the last few years because Tillman Fertitta's is kind of a moron. Uh, they've built like one of the least sensible basketball teams of guys who don't really seem to know how to play basketball together. Uh, Fred Van Vliet would be a pretty nice addition, an adult in the room, as it were, for a Rockets team that sorely, sorely need, needs one. I, I can see the argument here for the Houston Rockets going after Fred Van Vliet. They should probably throw a lot of money at him. Um, the thing is... Is that the place Fred Van Vliet really wants to be? Does he want to go to this sort of rebuilding team full of children? We you know know that there was maybe a little bit of tension between Fred Van Vliet and the young players, Scottie Barnes, on this year's Raptors team. I don't think it's tension that can't be resolved. I think it's very reasonable. I spoke about this during the season, the sort of very natural and human inclination of a guy like Fred Van Vliet, who built himself into an all-star from nothing and from being an undrafted player at six feet tall, generously on a good day in high shoes, uh, I I could understand why he might bristle at the idea of Scotty Barnes just kind of getting the keys to the team in year two, uh, when Scotty Barnes hadn't quite proven, like, yeah, I can run the show, give me the ball, like, I'm the main guy now. He just hadn't quite shown that was a thing he could do for longer than 12-minute stretches of games. I think the tension and the sort of, uh, you know, the the, the maybe not quite being on the same page made a lot of sense and wasn't all that concerning to me as far as like a big picture thing. These are adults, guys mature, guys grow and learn and become teammates and everyone gets along. Like this, this is what happens. Sometimes it goes awry. I didn't get the sense this was so drastically bad. This was not Draymond Green and Jordan Poole as far as young and old guy beefs. Uh, This was not even a beef, I would say. Just typical human nature stuff. Anyway, would Fred Van Vliet want to go and be part of that sort of young scene? Would he rather just stick with the Raptors, which is, you know, Jake Fisher reported last week on the Raptors show that there's still mutual interest between both sides. And we know the Raptors are going to be incentivized to keep Fred Van Vliet because the problem is If he leaves for nothing in free agency, I don't really see what the backup plan is for the Raptors. They have the mid-level exception to work with. Maybe they go throw it at someone who we talked about yesterday, Jordan Clarkson, who I know a couple people in the Discord are banging the drum for, um, as sort of a stopgap guard option. I I think the stopgap guard is kind of the way you go here if Fred does leave you got to find a way to make it happen whether it's via signing or some kind of trade Um, but I think they're almost too pot committed now having not traded OG or Pascal at the trade deadline with sorry not at the draft with Gary Trent Jr opting in they feel like they're almost too pot committed now to running it back to not run it back if Fred in fact leaves even though the team will be much worse off without the guard play he brings to the table. Um, the reason the Rockets are concerning is because they have all that cap space. They could, in theory, just outbid what the Raptors can or should pay for Fred Van Vliet. At some point, there will be a walkaway number because. If you look around the league, you look at John Collins getting traded for nothing. You look at, uh, you know, just the way teams are trying to maneuver themselves here with the second apron coming in next year as this super-duper punitive thing that if you're in it, it's going to be really hard to build teams. You have the first apron, which I think is actually, but please forgive me cap experts out there, but I think the first apron is maybe not quite as punitive now as going over the tax typically used to be. It's the second apron. That's kind of the boogeyman out there, but teams are going to be setting up their books to try and avoid those punitive thresholds of salary. And so if Fred Van Vliet comes back from talking to Houston and says, Hey, they've offered me 35 million a year over four years. I kind of think you got to walk away. If you're the Raptors, even though I've been banging the drum all season long, you can't just lose Fred Van Vliet for nothing. His skills are too valuable and too unique on this roster to just not have them. We've been talking all year long about how, man, it would be great if the Raptors had a backup point guard to help Fred Van Vliet not play 40 minutes a game. The solution to Fred Van Vliet's slight decline this past season is not to just let him walk for nothing, it is to get more guards in to help support him. Uh, If you lose Fred Van Vliet, you just have to find a guard of some kind or two or whatever to come in and fill that gap, and they won't do it as well as Fred Van Vliet can. I think they can survive and still field a competitive team if they don't have Fred. I think it's a lot less competitive without him, Um, and it depends on who you're able to bring in as a stopgap, whether there's some trade option out there maybe. Can you convince a Bruce Brown to come in and be like your backup sort of pseudo point guard uh, like he was with Denver this year? Is that enough ball creation with Bruce Brown if he's your target? Like, There's all these questions that kind of spill out of the Fred VanVleet thing. Um, and it's, it's troublesome. Like if he leaves for Houston, the Raptors are kind of holding the bag and it'll be, look, if they can keep both Jakob Pirtle and Gary Trent Jr. I don't think it's a total disaster. If they lose Fred for nothing, the sort of financial savings down the line will have some inherent value to the Raptors and the way they set up their books. But the team next year will be worse and be less equipped to go and perform and kind of you know make good on the promise we all thought this roster had talent-wise a year ago. If you don't have Fred Van Vliet, things get a lot more difficult and the accelerator is put on. Hopefully, Scotty Barnes can become a point guard all like overnight. I, I think that's ambitious and-, and not maybe what you want as far as ideal developmental tracks for Scotty who could impact the game in so many ways beyond just being your point guard and table setter. Um, but yeah, that, that Houston thing, it's concerning. I would still bet that the Raptors end up with Fred Van Vliet. I, I would still bet that, um, you know, he's going to come back on a pretty reasonable deal. But the Houston sort of albatross contract offer does hang out there as a possibility. And if that happens, then it's trouble. There's also the possibility that, all the clutches just leaking to the reporters that all the Houston Rockets are going to go crazy for Fred to try to milk more money out of the Raptors. These are all possibilities. This is all how it works. But I just wanted to have a little dispatch on the latest from Fred from Mark Stein and uh, kind of set up the stakes of what's at play here for the Raptors. There is a lot at stake when it comes to the Fred Van Vliet situation as they start drilling on the floor beneath me. That's my cue. Let's continue on. We're going to get on the other side to our chat with Derek Johnson of Locked on Jayhawks, who had a lot of great stuff to to send, a, you know, great insight on what Grady Dick did as a player this past season, the context under which he was able to succeed despite it being a pretty cramped roster down in Kansas, the defensive upside that's there. We will get to all of that coming up in just a second. Before we do that, however... This episode is brought to you by Better Help. It's so easy to get caught up in what everybody else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. Self-care is important. Taking care of yourself is a really valuable thing to keep yourself happy and fresh and there for the people in your life and a therapist can help you with that self-care. Just talking about what's going on in your life, how you can find balance, big decisions, whatever it might be, a therapist can be there to offer you guidance. Wow, the drilling is extremely loud. Uh, If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Go check them out right now. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NBA today for 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com, H-E-L-P slash NBA. Go check them out for 10% off at BetterHelp. Alright, let's get to it. My chat with Derek Johnson of Locked On Jayhawks, who was awesome. Let's get to it, baby. Alright, joining me now on Locked On Raptors is the wonderful Derek Johnson, the host of the Locked On Jayhawks podcast, a man who knows a little about the man the Toronto Raptors drafted last week, Grady Dick, with the 13th overall pick. Derek, thanks so much for being here to give us a little intel on Grady Dick.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be here. I I wish I would have found something uh, more fitting in my wardrobe to kind of follow Grady
0: Dick, but uh, I'll do what I can. Do you have anything with uh, that's bedazzled? This is an important question. No, I'm I'm a big like anti-glitter
1: guy. Glitter is is horrible. <laughs> Keep it away from me. So no, far away, far away from that stuff.
0: Glitter is hell. I would rather have my shoes full of sand for the rest of time than have glitter like stuck on my forehead or something like that. No, thank you. Uh, Grady Dick, a braver man than either of us. Uh, Let's get into Grady Dick, shall we? He's, uh, you know, I think a lot of Raptors fans are very excited. Not for, you know, the big reason is that he does a thing that no one on the Toronto Raptors roster has done for the last couple years, which is shoot threes real good. Um, But you know. Obviously, the three-point shooting we know about—we've seen it. We've seen the high release. We've seen how unblockable it is. We've seen that, you know, forty percent in college. The, the the off-the-bounce stuff, the one-two dribble pull-ups are like over fifty percent. He's got the shooting to him, but I think there's, you know, sometimes these perceptions of guys that they're just shooters. And I don't think that's the case with Grady Dick. I don't think he'd be a lottery pick if that were the case. But for those who are maybe uninitiated, can you kind of fill people in on what is Grady Dick all about as a basketball player outside of obviously the excellent three point shooting?
1: Yeah, because the three point shooting starts it off. I mean, there were stories from last offseason before we even saw him play his first game about. Um, Brandon Rush and, you know, some former pro players, Mario Chalmers and stuff coming back and scrimmaging the team and how they were talking about how it was this uh, perfect, unblockable three-point shot and obviously ended up having that translate into the season. But, yeah, you're right. There There is more there. Um, certainly the big question for, I think, his NBA career is just going to be the defensive side of the ball. But mm-hmm. uh, when you look at the offensive side of the ball, uh, there is a really good ability at crashing the offensive glass. He doesn't do it all the time. We'll see how much he does it in the NBA because, uh, I think even more so in the NBA than college. You see the emphasis on just getting back on, on transition defense as opposed to really crashing the glass. But uh, he won KU some close games with a few possessions where he just crashed the offensive glass at timely manners and was able to go up with his you know six, seven, six foot eight frame and got kind of a good vertical to him and, and get an offensive rebound that led to a critical play in a game that KU might have won by a point or two uh, in the second half. Uh, good at crashing the offensive glass. Uh, good in transition play because of his ability to either stretch out and hit the three, or he does have some hops to him, right? He's not just, you know, Kyle Corver type shooter who mm-hmm. offensively you're not really going to get like a dunk package out of. Like, no, he will go up and, and try to dunk on a guy. He'll get out in transition, he'll catch a lob, he'll throw down a lob in that regard. Um, we didn't see a ton from maybe his driving or his his mid-range game, but in the limited stuff we did see, like you saw some ability there. There was, a, I think, a Baylor game where you did see a little bit more of his driving ability in Waco, where you did see him at times, whether it was off the cut, uh, maybe – you know, hit like a reverse layup or or hit a fancy layup that you let, at least saw some potential there. But, yeah, really offensively, it's – it's you look at the two main things, the shooting and the cutting, taking advantage mm-hmm. of the spacing and the gravity that he brings to the offense, shooting the ball, and knowing the ability to cut off of that. I mean, he, he was really good cutting off the basketball, and so I would think it a perfect scenario like what Toronto has. Like, you know, if, if you're going inside with Pascal Siakam or uh, with Scotty Barnes or, or something like – Like that would be able to read well off of that and either space the floor or cut off the basketball things that he did really well uh, in his time at Kansas. I I think he's still working on moving without the basketball, but most 18, 19 year olds are (laughs) doing just that. But honestly, he was probably more progressed in that
0: area than a lot of kids
1: his age.
0: That's exciting because like the Raptors have this sort of clunky weird team where they're three, four, five. There's not a whole lot of shooting out of it. There's a lot of passing out of it and there's a lot of scoring chops there and having just someone as a release valve to kind of play off those guys. I mean, the number of times we've seen Pascal Siakam in the last two, three seasons just drive into a wall of four guys just because they're not worried about anyone spacing is, uh, has been a problem. And so it's music to my ears to hear a guy kind of have that off-ball gravity. It, you know, I'm fascinated by him as like a connective piece because like, look, there are a lot of guys on the Raptors who are going to have the ball in their hands. We'll see about Fred Van Vliet. We talked about him in the first segment of the show. Um, You know, whether he's back or not, this is still going to be a team that's going to have other guys with the ball in their hands, whether it's Pascal Siakam, whether it's Scotty Barnes, whether they bring in some other replacement point guard for Fred Van Vliet or if it's Fred Van Vliet just on his own. Uh, And I think a big part of what went wrong for the lap wrong for the Raptors, the Raptors last year, look at me speaking words professionally for a living. Um, You know, it's just there was no connectivity between any of the fulcrums of their offense. It was very just sort of disparate and ISO here, size of a mismatch here. What does Grady Dick offer as like a connective piece who can not only finish off plays when it swings to him, but can he make that extra pass? Can he make something really you know happen on the on the bounce? Like what's his sort of ability to keep a possession alive if he's not firing one up?
1: Yeah, he absolutely is an unselfish player. There were actually times last year where Uh, there were KU fans wanting him to shoot it even more, wanting him to take even more, you know, 25, 30 footers to continue to add more gravity to the court. Uh, He has no problem doing that. He's not somebody who's just like a shot chucker. He wants to take efficient shots. He wants to play efficient basketball for your team in that team setting. Uh, Very much a team player in that regard. I I think he's perfect to be that connective piece. Um, I think what the Raptors were 28th out of 30 teams in in three-point shooting last year, so... That was obviously mm-hmm. a struggle for them uh, a year ago with all those, you know, players where, where it seems like the, the the prototype player is is an oversized player who, who's really good. Like Scotty Barnes being, you know, whatever he is, six foot nine point guard is, is incredible. But, yeah, it does lead to you having uh, more need for that shooting. And I think he's kind of perfect there while also profiling into being, you know, if he's going to be playing shooting guard at like six foot eight or, or whatever. Like that's good size there. So uh, yeah, he profiles really well at being that connective piece because of his ability to cut without the basketball. He he kind of learns how to play without doing just that. And when you look at mm-hmm. specifically when he was at Kansas, you know, Jalen Wilson was the primary uh, option for the offense. Uh, first team, all American for, for KU. And you look at Dewan Harris, he was their their really good college point guard. You know, not somebody who's, who's being seen as like an NBA guy, but a good college point guard. The ball was mostly in the hands of Dewan Harris, and Jalen Wilson at most times. So Grady Dick, even in his experience in college in Lawrence, had to figure out a way to get open without the ball. He had to cut. He had to work in transition. He had to work off screens. He he had to be kind of that connective piece even at KU. And probably, I mean, at the end of the day, he ends up second in scoring on KU. That would obviously not be what you're expecting to happen with the Raptors. <laughs> but you saw some of those traits that you need to be a good connective piece in the NBA that I think will allow him to do just that, uh, whether it's in year one or or down the road with the Raptors.
0: What was the spacing context that he was playing in at Kansas? Obviously college, it's a little bit more cramped than the NBA just because of the floor dimensions, just because there are less guys who are dead eye three point shooters. I'm assuming Grady Dick was like the best shooter on any floor he walked into last season, but you know, Trying to compare and contrast, you know, was he able to succeed despite poor spacing at Kansas? Were they more of a spaced out team? So they gave him all that extra room to run around and, you know, cause more havoc. What was the sort of the geometry of the floor most of the time when he was on the floor for Kansas this past year? It was tough. He was
1: he was the majority of the the three point shooting Um, him and Jalen Wilson both fired up over 200 threes on the year, which was more than half the output when you combine them together for the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. And you take Grady Dick off the team. They were shooting in like the low 30 percent from three. So he was counted on a lot to be a floor spacer on a, a team that didn't have a lot of excellent three point shooters. Um, and because of that, there were actually a lot of games, especially once we got into conference play down the latter half of the season that Grady Dick was getting face guarded. To where the other Mm -hmm. team was was taking their best defender or their best perimeter defender and just putting him on Grady Dick and saying, you know, if you get beat on a cut, whatever, we're going to try to put like extra help defense on the interior. Um, We just don't want him to beat us. And that's what happened in the second round game against Arkansas. Uh, Eric Musselman put Anthony Black on Grady Dick and just face guarded him the whole game. And I think you see some of that, to to your point, on the differences in floor spacing in general with college basketball. You know, you you don't have a three-second call defensively. Centers can just camp in the paint. You have uh, a smaller lane. You have uh, a lot of reasons why the spacing isn't as much. And so that certainly hurt him in certain games where if you go and you look at the box scores and you're like, well, this game you put up 20. This game you put up nine points. Part of that's being a freshman. And, you know, the older you get, the more consistent you seem to get. But another part of that is just there were certain teams that said our game plan is just take away Grady Dick because we don't think the rest of you can beat us from downtown and from three. I think that's going to be part of the beauty, though, of him going to the NBA because at Kansas, Mm -hmm. he was the second leading scorer on the team, right? Like he was one of the more primary options in that regard for a team to cut off. But you go to the Toronto Raptors, you're going to be option four or five when you're on the floor. You're going to be that connective piece. You're going to be that guy maybe sitting in the corner trying to make something happen without the ball. Like not a guy that's getting plays run for him to where when you look at his off-ball movement, that'll improve and, and that'll help him in those scenarios. But. I mean, how often will he get face guarded in the NBA? It's, it's probably not really going to happen, especially right off the bat. So he was he was ultra important um, for a team that that wasn't a great three-point shooting team outside of him. And I, I think that makes it even more impressive what he did in year one. We saw Baji, who the year before was a first-team All-American, ends up being a first-round pick to the Utah Jazz. He, at one point in the season, got face guarded too. And eventually, mm-hmm. KU just made the decision, we'll, we'll just play four on four. We'll, we'll improve the spacing. And then they evolved past that, and they started figuring out ways on top of it to get Ochagbaji open, even with the face guarding, to take advantage of it. Well, that's a senior. That's a 22-year-old, right? It, it's tough for an 18-year-old to have that progressions in year one right away. So, uh, mm-hmm. honestly, like, there there's a sense that he could end up even having a better three point shooting opportunity in the NBA than college because of that face guarding stuff that I wouldn't
0: imagine is going to happen as much. You get me excited, man. <laughs> it's uh, it's been a long time since the Raptors had anyone uh, who could shoot that way. And to hear that he succeeded, despite shoddy spacing and being kind of the apple of the defense's eye at all times is, uh, you know, that should translate well to a team where no one can shoot. Uh, we're going to come back on the other side, get into the defense and whether or not there's any hope for Grady Dick on that end of the floor and a little bit about him off the court. He seems like a pretty awesome dude. Maybe there's a tale or two you can regale us with of Grady Dick's time in Kansas. We'll get to that in just a sec before we do. However, got to tell you about our good friends over at Ibotta, whether it's grocery, school shopping, getting a little something for yourself. You know you've already got to spend money so why not get cash back when you spend that money with ibotta with ibotta you can watch your closet grow you can you know fill up that pantry and know that you're getting cash back for stuff that you're buying anyway you can earn cash back on every shopping trip ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back it's that easy and when you can earn as well hundreds of dollars on online brands and retailers too when you start with ibotta including lowe's macy's sephora best buy and more right now Ibotta is offering our listeners just $5 for just trying Ibotta out by using the code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D. When you register, just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED for $5 for free just for using the app. That's incredible. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play Store or the App Store. Use the code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D. All right, continuing on here with Derek Johnson of locked on Jayhawks. Uh let's talk defense, shall we, Derek? That's obviously the part of the game that probably needs the most work for Grady Dick. Um that said, he's 6 foot 8 and he's clearly like a very smart basketball player. He definitely passes the knows where to stand test, which is to me one of the most important tests for any basketball player. Um But, you know, on the defensive end, obviously, I think there's going to be some filling out of the chest to be done, it seems. He's not super great as like a one-on-one defender. Uh, But is there hope here that Grady Dick could become something resembling an average to slightly above average NBA defender, given the right coaching and given enough time here to let it all kind of germinate and grow?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely think the six eight frame is super important there. Like I I almost looked to like Michael Porter Jr. with the Nuggets. He's never been renowned as a great defender, but like, it's like well at least he's big. Like at least you can match <laughs> him up on this guy or that guy that makes it maybe a little bit more passable. I'll be honest though, I I think that Grady Dick took uh, a bit of a um, harder harder uh, evaluation on this over the course of the NBA draft stuff than than I thought. I I do think there are some redeeming qualities. I'm not trying to say he was you know some plus defender last year or some great defender. Uh, you look at Synergy, he ranked in the 65th percentile on defense last year in overall possessions. Now, uh, how much you want to take into that, I don't know, but uh, that's you know an above-average good-ish defender as a freshman, which that typically gets better. The biggest thing for me, and this is a big thing for for Bill Self, the coach of Kansas, and, and how things go, are you trying on the defensive end? And you talked about the stand test, knowing where to stand. I think Grady Dick um, was – pretty solid, especially for a freshman as a team defender, knowing where to be, helping others. Uh, you actually saw him him have a, a couple of good runs of play in terms of getting steals and leading out into transition play just from knowing where to be from the team defense context. But the biggest thing to me, especially for a young player coming in, is what is your try level on that end of the floor? Because I've seen a lot of guys come in, and the try level is just not there where the hustle level's not there, and they don't get a ton of playing time for Bill Self. And, I mean, shoot, they they just had a five-star freshman, MJ Rice, not be a part of the rotation and then end up transferring away. So this isn't a situation where Bill Self's just, you know, hey, we brought you in, this five-star recruit, you have to play. You have to earn your minutes. Grady Dick was playing over 30 minutes per game. At the end of the day, Bill Self, who who emphasizes so much on defense, he's not going to play you that much if you are that much of a liability on the defensive end of the floor. The tri-level was always there. The tri-level was always there for Grady Dick to want to be a good defender. Sometimes he just got lost. Sometimes it was off the ball. Sometimes it was on the ball. Sometimes it was, you know, he's matched up against, um, with the way that KU was playing, he was a lot of times the shooting guard. So sometimes he's matched up against a, you know, you think about the Baylor games they're playing where Adam Flagler or LJ Cryer or Keontae George, who's a much smaller, quicker player, is matched up with him, and they're able to take advantage of that. But I would just think that somebody who wanted to be good, who who put that effort in on the defensive end of the floor, that if you just give that player more time and seasoning, you you add more weight to the frame, you give them more strength, that they can at least turn into like an average defender. So Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not trying to say that he's going to become this ultimate 3 and D, but I think there's enough there from Grady Dick with the size, with the length, with the athleticism to a certain level. Um, with the try and the want-to on that end, with the fact that, yeah, he was targeted a lot on the defensive end of the ball on Kansas. Like, if you if you go watch games, you're going to be like, oh, man, they keep targeting this guy. He must be a weak link on defense. But then when you start thinking about it through, and you go, okay, well, who else is on this Kansas defense? You've got K.J. Adams, who's their five-man, who's a switchable five. You've got Dewan Harris, who won Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. You have Kevin McCuller, who, for my money, Was the best defensive player on the team because of his ability to switch, kind of one through four, one through five, and was a Naismith Defensive Player of the Year finalist. And you have Jalen Wilson, who was probably an above-average, average average college defender, and now is off to the NBA and is a a first-team All-American coming in. So it's like, who else was the was the defense or was the opposing offense going to target? Of course, they were going to target the young freshman who had some deficiencies, but I don't think it was as much as maybe you might have thought just in terms of what he brought to the table. So I actually do have some um, expectation that the defense can be passable for him to stay on the floor long enough and uh, be kind of that that three-point knockdown connective
0: piece on offense. And look, man, when you're bringing the shooting and sort of spacing he's going to bring to the Raptors, you, you don't need like all defense level. Look, they have OG Ananobi. They have Yaka Bertle, They have Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes. They've got plenty of dudes who can go kind of carry the day defensively, cover for Dick, you know, insulate him a little bit. Uh, you know, passable is kind of the bar you're looking at. It's honestly like the inverse almost for Raptors fans of Precious Achua, where Precious Achua's bar for being on the floor offensively is so low. It's like, don't kick the ball out of bounds every other possession. And your defense is so good That you deserve to be on the floor. It feels like kind of the inverse there. So yeah, I'm encouraged at least. And the fact that he again seems like a smart player, good basketball instincts, had one and a half steals a game, which is not nothing um, and clearly tries and knows where to stand. That is the ingredients for a guy who's not going to get run off the floor defensively when things matter most, which is uh, encouraging to say the least. Let's close this off, Derek, with a little uh, off the court stuff. Grady Dick seems like a blast. He seems super fun, super like theater kid energy, just flowing from that dude at all times. Uh, we know about the TikTok. We we know about the the suit on draft night. Do you have any sort of fun anecdotes, any stories that people might not have heard about Grady Dick from his time in Kansas that sort of you know exemplify what the kind of dude this guy is off the floor?
1: He's just a really goofy guy. Uh, whenever. I mean- you know, we we have these like preseason media availabilities and we get to talk to all the players. And then throughout the year, we get to obviously hear from the players too. And uh, in some of those preseason media availabilities, one of the questions I always like to ask all the players on the team is like, who's the funniest funniest guy on the team? And a majority of the answers were Grady Dick, that he was just always goofy. He was always making people laugh. He was always a good time in the locker room. Um, And and that can't hurt when you're taking someone, you know, they work hard. They're liked by people in the locker room. Like that's going to, get your places at the very least. Um, I would recommend if you haven't seen there's an old press conference from this past season where uh, Grady Dick mentions uh, kind of a quote and he, he says, pause real quick to, to kind of give a, a reaction to something that he said that uh, could have been taken as an innuendo. So uh, he just kind of gets it from, from I don't know, a, a goofy level and not taking himself too seriously, as you can obviously tell by what he wore to the NBA draft process. And, <laughs> you know, you need those guys in the locker room. You, you want somebody to, to kind of break things up and, and get away from the monotonous nature of, of the basketball side of it.
0: It was a pretty grim scene in Toronto last year. Everyone seemed very miserable. Everyone seemed like they hated Nick Nurse. Uh, no one seemed like they were happy. Bringing some joy, bringing some goofball energy. I think that is uh, going to be a welcome sight for a lot of people. As it turns out, uh, having co-workers you like is uh, is a nice thing for making it a slog of 82 games. Not so bad to get through. Derek, this was awesome. Thank you so much for lending your intel on Grady Dick. We'll have to check in again as he rockets up rookie of the year leaderboards throughout the season. Uh, where can people check out all your great work?
1: Yeah, You can find me on Twitter at D Johnson radio uh, locked on Jayhawks is the show. I also do a radio show in town called rock Chalk sports talk. So uh, plenty of ways to listen in. If you happen to fall through that uh, uh, little, I don't know, the, the commonality of Toronto Raptors and uh, Kansas Jayhawks.
0: I feel like there's gotta be like up here in Canada. We don't really have real loyalties to college programs and Kansas is like one of the bigger ones so I'm sure there are plenty of Kansas fans up here who uh, you know kind of knew all the stuff about Grady Dick that you just said but uh, for those like me who are morons who did not watch any college basketball this year this has been essential thank you so much for lending your intel and uh, have a good one man listeners thank you for tuning in go listen to Lockdown Jayhawks listen to this podcast of course every day I love the everydayers you're the very very best people out there let us know in the comments if you're an everydayer the also please go join our Locked On Raptors Discord server, which uh, is all full of Grady Dick excitement. Jump on in there. Super fun. Uh, The link is in the description of the podcast, both in audio and video. And with that, we will leave you there. We'll be back again on Wednesday as Katie Heindl is going to pop by as we look ahead to free agency, talk about vibes and feelings, surely, because that's Katie's specialty. Uh, But thank you. And in the meantime, have a good one, everybody. (laughs) Bye-bye.